morning's scripture lesson is found in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, reading in Jesus' name. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise up and go toward the south, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court officer of Candace, the queen of Ethiopian, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? <clears throat> and the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along, the road came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Let's pray. Father God, this is your word. I pray that you would use it this morning to help us and to encourage us. And Lord, we just give this time over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most challenging things to do as a job is to try to convince someone that they should buy something that they don't actually need. How else would you explain a company's willingness to spend $5 million on a 30-second commercial for a diet soft drink? This was the price tag during the last Super Bowl for a 30-second ad. Down through history, many sales tactics have been used. How many of you remember the high-pressured door-to-door salesman? I was in awe of one of these salesmen, a college-age kid who came to our door uh, when I was young, probably 10, 12 years old. He was selling family Bibles, you know, the big ones that have uh, the family history in the front and all um, gold gilded around the edges. And I knew that my mom would probably not buy one of these. Uh, for one, I know that we didn't have any money. Um, we were living on welfare at the time and we were living in a half-finished basement in rural Wisconsin. For another thing, my mom was no pushover. Her no meant no, which I knew from many different times, uh, having tried to convince her to do things that I wanted her to do. And finally, I knew my stepdad would be furious when he found out if she bought it. But somehow, this slick young salesman weaseled $75 out of my mom. And I was in utter shock, because I would have bet my life that that guy would not make it past the threshold. But the next thing I knew, she's at the uh, dining room table there writing out a check to him. I wish I could actually remember how he did it. Many companies have shifted from the door-to-door -door sales uh, marketing to cold calling, also known as telemarketing. Uh, when we had a landline back when we were newly married, it seemed like we were getting about a half dozen of these calls every single day. 
And then when we switched over to cell phones, I thought, well, now with the do not call uh, law, they will stop calling us. But somehow they've worked around that and I still continue to get calls all the time, which thankfully I can screen. But let's put ourselves in the salesman's shoes for just a moment this morning. If you could somehow ascertain certain skills that would help you sell your wares, what would you wish for? Well, one thing I would wish for is that I just happened to show up at people's doors when they desperately needed what I was selling. Oh, your freezer just broke down, sir? Well, it's your lucky day. <laughs> I just happened to have a new model here right out in my van and it's on sale. Can my guys come in and bring it in and they'll haul off your old one too? Or how about this? For a full year before you show up at a potential customer's doorstep, they have received weekly emails about your product. They have also watched a mini documentary about how this project product is going to revolutionize the world. And on top of that, they've had numerous of their friends tell them that they've purchased the product and now they can't live without it. And so when you ring their doorbell, they're going to be practically falling all over themselves trying to get you in the door to sell them this product. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, would it help you as a salesman if you knew that all these things were going on behind the scenes? Would you have more confidence in approaching your customers? Well, we don't have a useless product per se to sell, but we are trying to convince people of their need, something that they desperately need. And in approaching these people, we may feel very intimidated uh, because we think that getting them to listen depends solely on our personality, our enthusiasm, or our ability to describe the product in a right way. But this is actually false. In fact, we have the Holy Spirit who is preparing people ahead of time. He is setting up coincidences and drawing individuals before we even get there and open our mouths. And so I want to look this morning at the example of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch to demonstrate this very thing. First of all, in this passage, we see Holy Spirit timing. For the sake of this sermon, I'm going to actually rename this eunuch uh, Eugene. I'm going to nickname him that because I really don't want to keep referring to him as the Ethiopian eunuch, which is kind of a tongue twister throughout my entire sermon. And uh, for you, those of you who have children at home listening as well, um, have fun explaining to them what a eunuch is. <laughs> Well, notice first of all in this story, the story of Philip and Eugene here that they seem to coincidentally meet on the road. And add to the coincidence that Philip just happened upon him when he's reading a portion of Scripture aloud. What does the Bible have to say about these seemingly chance meetings? First of all, listen to Proverbs. It says, Many are the plans of the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Notice that both men in this instance are open to God's direction in their life. Eugene had just come from Jerusalem and was reading scripture. He was there to worship, most likely a Jew, there for probably the Passover. Philip had recently been chosen as one of seven deacons that were to care for the daily needs of the church. He was also known as one that was full of the Spirit. And last week we talked about being filled with the Spirit. Add to this the fact that Philip had just been visited by an angel of the Lord who told him to go and take this particular road and head south on it. And the only thing left was for them to meet. 
In Isaiah 46, it becomes very evident how this chance meeting came about. It says, My counsel uh, shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purposes, calling on a bird of prey from the east, the man of counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. And so what God does in these situations is he calls a man of counsel from a far country. And even he commands animals sometimes according to his purposes. We see this in the story of uh, the donkey in Balaam. And so, does it seem like a coincidence that you happen to be living next to a particular neighbor? Does it seem like chance that you have certain co-workers that you interact with every day? I would venture to say that the Holy Spirit is orchestrating these meetings all the time if we have eyes to see them. Now wait a minute, Pastor Scott. All these verses that you're presenting seem pretty unconvincing as far as the Holy Spirit setting up these chance meetings. You're going to have to do that better than that. So try this one on for size. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do them. And so God has prepared certain works for you to walk out in your Christian life. But I want you to pay careful attention to one little phrase here that shows the role of the Holy Spirit in this interaction. In verse 29 of Acts 8 it says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. I honestly believe that when the angel of the Lord told Philip to go down to this particular road on this particular uh, way down to the south there, uh, I'm sure that there was a busy, busy road. He had no idea what he was there doing. Now, a couple of questions come to mind. First, why didn't the angel just say to him, hey, go down to this road to the south, and when you see an Ethiopian eunuch in a red chariot, go over and talk to him. He's open to the gospel. That seems like it would have been, would have been much more efficient but I think it has to do with the fact that God doesn't like to reveal too much about our future all at once. The reason for this is he's just as interested in teaching Philip how to hear his voice as he was about the salvation of Eugene. My next question is, can we experience this level of daily leading by the Holy Spirit as a modern Christian, or was that just something special for early Christians? It is true that in certain times in history, God does seem to speak more clearly to his servants. But I want you to listen to Isaiah 30, verse 2, which tells us that God speaks to all of his people. The prophet here is giving a glimpse into the future, uh, and a future time when God will no longer hide himself from them. But it says, Your teacher will no longer hide himself. With your own eyes you will see him, and whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way, walk in it. And so Jesus was that teacher that they saw with their own eyes. And when he was getting ready to depart, he told his disciples, When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say. But say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Now you might say, well, Pastor Scott, I've never heard the Holy, speak, uh, Holy Spirit speak audibly to me. And my answer is that maybe he is speaking to you through seeming coincidences in your life. 
You may wonder, God, who should I talk to about you? All the while, you have people surrounding you on all sides that you could be developing relationships with. And I would say that these are actually the main candidates for you to invite to church. God put you in the right, put you right next to them, just as assuredly as the angel of the Lord put Philip on that southern road out of Jerusalem. Now, will you heed the prompting, that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, to go and talk to them? Next, we see Holy Spirit preparation. We notice here that Eugene is reading. He's actually reading the Bible and the book of Isaiah to be specific. And not only is he reading the book of Isaiah, but he's reading chapter 53, which is a prophecy about Jesus. The Holy Spirit was at work in Philip, uh, in Eugene, preparing him beforehand for his encounter with Philip. It'd be like you sitting down on a plane next to somebody and they just open up a Bible to John chapter 1 and they begin reading in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then they turn to you and say, Do you happen to know who he's talking about here? Who's this Word? There are so many people out there right now who are prepared to hear about God's amazing message of grace and forgiveness. Jesus confirmed this when he said in Matthew 9, 37, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Wouldn't it be a shame to drive by a beautiful apple orchard and see these luscious ripe apples just ready to be picked? And then you drive on a little further and you see that all the workers are standing around on strike. Nobody is harvesting apples. Sometimes it feels like, as Christians, we are on strike. But if you ask them why they don't share the good news, they can't really give you a good answer. Well, people might get offended, or I'm waiting for the right moment, or I don't like people telling people what they should believe. Back in Salinas, we had this peach tree in our backyard that went just crazy last summer. I mean, there must have been over 200 peaches on it. And some of them were so ripe at different times that I would just touch them and they would fall off the tree. And they were just perfect and ready to eat. And Eugene was like this. It didn't seem like Philip had to say much to him, but before long, he says, See, here is water. What's preventing me from being baptized? Philip doesn't even have time to walk him through the Romans Road or the Sinner's Prayer or anything. He jumps right into baptism. I'd be willing to venture to say that some of you are going to be very surprised when you take your invitation card, which is in your bulletin there, or uh, some of you uh, that are listening online uh, to invite your neighbor to church, that it's not going to take much. They're going to be super ripe fruit. They just need a little bump, and bam, they're Christians. And the interesting thing about the peaches is, in my tree in Salinas is that they look just like all the other peaches. You don't know if people are ripe until you actually reach out and try to harvest them. Next and finally, we see Holy Spirit drawing. 1 John 5, 6 says, And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. Men and women who are seeking answers in their lives are looking for something very specific. They are looking for truth. They want to know what they can believe. They want to know answers to the big questions of life. Things like, why am I here? And how did I get here? And what's my purpose? They want to know what is real. Jesus said about the Holy Spirit that we, um, he should bear witness about him. 
When we talk about our unbelieving friends and family and neighbors, we can be assured that the Spirit has already been working in their lives. And this was the case with Eugene. He had just come from Jerusalem, where he had been there to worship, presumably bringing a sacrifice to the temple. He was a religious man, but he was not fully informed about the God that he was looking for. So many are like this out in society today. They would call themselves spiritual, but not religious. What do they mean by this? Well, I think they mean that they, they, mean that they recognize that there is more to life than just the physical realm. It means that eternity has been written in their hearts, just as Ecclesiastes tells us. They don't like the idea, though, of associating with Christians, with the church. But perhaps they just have some questions that need answering, and who better to do that than a friendly Christian neighbor? You. Now, even though you play a role in this whole scenario, I want to lift a bit of a burden from you and from your shoulders here. John 6.44 makes it clear that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. Now that word there, draws, kind of has lost a little bit of its power here in the modern English. When we think of somebody being drawn by the Lord, we think more of like wooing or coaxing or something like that. Whereas in the ancient text here, it really means more to drag, kind of like you would drag a donkey that doesn't want to do its work or come to you. And so what happens is, is that the Holy Spirit or God, the Father, draws or drags these people before Jesus time and again and ask that question, what will you do with this man Jesus? And so your job is as a messenger, and it's the job of the Holy Spirit to draw them. And you don't have to be offended one way or another whether they reject your word or not, because they're actually rejecting God. In conclusion this morning, I know that for some of you out there, to invite a friend to church would be the hardest thing that you could imagine doing as a Christian. Others that we talk to will probably uh, grab six of these cards to invite non-believing friends, and then six more for other church people that they know just for good measure. But I want to, you to know that your salvation, or even God's opinion of you, is not tied up in how well you do in regard to inviting a friend to church or not. That's not what it's all about. But we are called to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That, to me, is the main issue here. If through your whole, this whole exercise here, we get one person to come to Christ and only a handful start attending, it will still be worth it if we learn to take steps of obedience to the Lord. Remember, it's not about results, it's about relationship. One interesting afterthought here about what happened to Philip after this encounter. According to the text, he is one of the few people in history that has been transported by the Lord from one place to another. It says the Spirit picked him up and places him in Azotus, about 25 miles from where he was with Eugene. Now, we know that this instance here of evangelism was not isolated for Philip. In fact, in Acts 21, he's called the evangelist and had four daughters that prophesied or heard the word of the Lord and told people about it. He obviously had continued on with a life being in tune with the Spirit. I hope that I'm able to have this kind of thing said about me when I look back on my life, one who was led by the Spirit and who obeyed these promptings of the Lord to speak to people about this amazing gospel message that we have. 
And Father God, I pray that you would give us the courage and the wisdom and the ears to hear when you do speak to us. And Lord, I pray that you would fill this place with those who've been invited uh, into the kingdom by your servants. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.